lesson again and again and again. I guess some people don't learn their lesson. So instead of me saying it, I'll let this guy say it. How many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? I love the young people. This is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Video Store Wasteland. Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Store Wasteland. I am your host, Brian, here once again talking to you from the wasteland, as I call this thing. Uh, today we are talking about Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We are one step closer to, I guess, the goal of this week was getting to Jurassic World Dominion. So since we're there, this is movie number five in the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World franchise. So, being that it is number five, <laughs> and we just want to get to the end of it, man, I'm tired. My voice is getting tired. My whole body is tired. Well, that's mostly from work. But, uh, you know, without further ado, we're going to go ahead and look at the movies and sporting events that happened in the year 2018. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So we'll go ahead and look at the movies from 2018. And uh, I like giving a little reason why I do this. I like telling people what movies were going around or, you know, being seen in that year, what was being awarded, just so we can get a sense of the movie climate of the year at uh, certain movies come out, just so you get a sense of what, what was coming out, what was being produced, what was being seen, and what got popular. Because uh, not everything that was in the top 10 list uh, was popular, you know, or continues to be popular. Uh, so for top grossing movies for 2018, we're looking at Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Incredibles 2, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, Aquaman, Deadpool 2, The Grinch, Mission Impossible Fallout, Ant-Man and the Wasp, and Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, so that'll round up the top 10 grossing of that year. That year in terms of uh, movies that were awarded. We're looking at things like Green Book and Roma. Which, uh, you know, Green Book had a little controversy over it, it being given any awards. And uh, Roma was the, I think, Eriatu directed one. Yeah, well, that one's on Netflix if you ever want to watch it. Uh, so I think that might have been one of the first years that Netflix was uh, being awarded for the movies that came out. Because I think before, it was just television at that point. Because, you know, that's what Netflix is. <laughs> and if we look back at the top grossing movies that year, we have one, two, three, four Marvel movies, three that are technically MCU because Deadpool is not, wasn't at the time part of uh, Disney, uh, Disney MCU stuff because it was still Fox. This was before they bought out Fox, which is a crazy thing to think that one of the major studios got bought out by another major studios. We had used to have five. Well, I get to it when, when I do one of the, one of my, uh, I guess film school episodes. Cause, uh, on, on film history because, you know, there used to be a studio system and all that, which is kind of highlighted in the movie uh, Sunset Boulevard, if you ever wanted to watch that. Great movie. Uh, and one one DC movie from, from 2018 made that list. You know, Aquaman, <laughs> which is my favorite uh, DC hero. 
Uh, I know people love Batman and Superman more, but I like Aquaman. Uh, <laughs> in terms of Marvel, my, my favorites would be like Hulk and, and Doctor Strange. Uh, but other movies that came out that year, uh, we were looking at Game Night, which was uh, it's a great, it's a good comedy movie. I really like that movie. Uh, Halloween 2018 came out that year, and if you listen to this show, you know that I like pointing out the different horror franchises that have been released uh, those years. You know, this one just happens to be Halloween. Um, previous episodes have been like Friday the 13th monthly, because I think there's literally 13 Friday the 13th movies. Or no, actually, now there's 13 Halloween movies with the new one that's coming out this year. Halloween Kills, I think it's called. Uh Ready Player One came out that year. Hereditary came out that year. Bumblebee, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, uh, and a little movie called Upgrade came out that year, which is a fantastic movie. I'll probably have to do an episode on it just to let you guys know, get you on that movie because it's a it's so fucking good. Yeah, I really enjoy it. It's great. It's a great sci-fi movie. Uh, I don't know how many people... I I tried telling people to go watch it, but I think it got taken off streaming as soon as I tell people to watch stuff. So, (laughs) don't watch it. Maybe it won't be taken off streaming if I say that. Uh, Star is Born was released that year, man. I mean, there's Lady Gaga and uh, Bradley Cooper. Great fucking movie. I'd start singing the beginning portion of it, but I think everybody... he would would not enjoy that, cause damn dude, that movie, I fucking I fucking love Star Is Born, so fucking good, man, jeez, uh, and that year as well, you know, we have things like Venom, Sto- a Solo, a Star Wars story came out that year, so <laughs> already we're having these, uh, I wouldn't call unnecessary or uncalled for, uh, Star Wars projects, but like. Did we do we really need to know about Han Solo when he was younger? I'm looking at you, little kid Leia from Obi Wan. It's very obvious that you just that Disney just wanted to make Obi Wan have his own little baby Yoda thing, and gave him a, a kid Leia. What could have been a magnificent character study into Obi Wan turned into. You know, we'll just go watch it. I mean, make your own opinion on that one, but it it's kind of obvious that they try to make it being a Mandalorian, but with with Obi Wan, it could have just been Obi Wan versus Vader. Anyway, I digress. And if uh, if you're a fan of Red Letter Media and know who Neil Breen is, Twisted Pair came out in 2018. <laughs> oh man, it's crazy stuff, man. Uh, anyway, so that's like the, not the, that's the movies that are coming out in the year 2018. We're going to go ahead and look at the sporting events because why not? (laughs) This is a movie and sports podcast now, damn it. Uh, so that year for, uh, we'll start at hockey that that this year, we're going to go look at the Stanley Cup finals, which were the Washington Capitals versus the Vegas Golden Knights, where the Capitals beat out the Golden Knights four games to one in the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, That was interesting because this is the first time that the 
Capitals won the Stanley Cup, and it's great because uh, their their main guy Alexander Ovechkin actually won a Stanley Cup. That guy is an amazing hockey player, so good for him. And I think this might have been the second or third year or first year actually of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights' existence, and they won. And they they went to the fucking Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, that says a lot about a young franchise right there. Uh, over in uh, technically American football, but uh, in the Super Bowl, we have the Philadelphia Eagles beating out the New England Patriots 41-33 in the Super Bowl, like I said, uh, that year. Okay, so if you know anything about football or anything like that, that year was when a backup QB, backup quarterback, beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. <laughs> the Eagles QB got hurt like in the first game of the playoffs and their backup Nick Foles came out, Big Dig Nick came out and uh you know beat Tom Brady in the goddamn Super Bowl. That says a lot. I mean, well, I don't think it's I think it says a lot more about the uh the team overall, but uh you know, there's that. In the NBA for the NBA Finals, you have the Golden State Warriors sweeping the Cleveland Cavaliers four games to nothing. So that's what a sweep is. Most of these uh, championship, when by most, I mean in uh, the NHL, MLB, and the NBA are a best of seven series. Best of seven means first person of four games wins. And if you win four games first, I mean, that's a sweep. And that's what the, uh, that's what the Warriors did to LeBron James. <laughs> and uh, over in the MLB for the World Series, uh, it is with a heavy heart that I say this, <sighs> but the Boston Red Sox beat out the Los Angeles Dodgers, I think four games to two in this, it hurts because that was this, that happened the year after the Houston Astros, uh, cheated the Los Angeles Dodgers out of a world series by stealing signs. And you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and talk about this right now. The Houston Astros. That's why all those people deserve to be kicked out of the MLB. All right. That's just what it is. All right, well, back to our regular programming here. Now that we did the sports and movies that came out in the year 2018, we're going to go ahead and look at the cast and crew of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Owen! Oh, boy. All right. So, for Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, being that it is a sequel, uh, you have most of the people coming back back from uh Jurassic World to do for for this one. So obviously you have Chris Pratt's character and Bryce Dallas Car- uh Howard's character coming back for the movie. Uh play respect respectful yeah, that's respectfully uh playing their characters of Owen and Claire. Uh other people we have in this movie we have people uh, or B.D. Wong came back as Dr. Wu. You have Justice Smith uh, and Daniela Pineda, who play, like, the two exist- assistants to Claire, because uh, I'll talk about it in the actual, like, discussion of the thing. 
Uh, you have James Cromwell playing Benjamin Lockwood, who is an associate of um, John Hammond. Uh, again, I'll just talk about it when we get when we get to it, because if I talk about it now, I'll just lose all contact. Jeff Goldblum is in the movie for all of three minutes. <laughs> Uh, and then you have, uh, Rafi Spall who plays Ellie, Eli, not Ellie, Eli Mills. And Ted Levine is in the movie as well. I forget who that guy is. Anyway, so that's like the cast. Again, just bringing back more people from the first movie and adding a couple more to, you know, add different characters for the sequel. For, in terms of crew... You have Jay Boyena coming in as director, who is a Spanish director who did stuff like El Orfanato and Lo Imposible, which is The Orphanage and The Impossible. The Orphanage is a horror movie, and The Impossible, I think, has to do with like a like a flood or some shit, or the tsunami. Tom Holland's in that movie. That's, that's how I know. Uh, for cinematographer and editors is people who have worked with with Boyena, so their credits just are the same. The Orphan, El Orfanato in Lo Imposible. Uh, so you have cinematographer Oscar Faura and editor coming in as Bernard Villaplana. Villaplana, not Villa. Villa, there's only one L. <laughs> and uh, writing-wise, you have Derek Connolly and Colin Trevorrow coming back to do the writing for this movie. Uh, man, so like I mentioned in the Jurassic World episode, you already know what these guys done. There's no like story by anybody else. They did the story. They did the screenplay. Uh, composer, we have Michael Giacchino coming back and uh, other notables that worked on the movie. Obviously, we have the famous dinosaur wrangler, Phil Tippett. Good job, man. You literally had one job. One job. You understand that, Phil Tippett? Don't let the dinosaurs kill anybody. And you let them kill people. <laughs> uh, I'm kid, because, you know, it's a movie. Uh, so, yeah. Um, not really anything new in terms of who was uh, coming in and doing all that. Or, you know, what, what else we're, we're doing in the movie. But uh, I'll go ahead and move on from uh, the cast and crew. We're going to go and look at the movie itself in our discussion of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. We've entered a new era. Welcome to Jurassic World. Okay, so Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. It is, like I said, the fifth movie in the Jurassic Park, Jurassic World uh, franchise. I guess we just call it the Jurassic franchise because Lord knows they might make Jurassic Universe next being with the uh, rumors that they're doing a, I guess, Fast and Furious Jurassic something crossover, which honestly would be ridiculous and fantastic. I think it'd be campy as hell. It'd be great. <laughs> I mean, at this point, why not? There's like 87 Fast and Furious movies, so... Why not add dinosaurs to it, I guess? Uh, but, um, so this movie, uh, I guess, follows the closure of Jurassic World. It, it, 
technically, I guess it's supposed to, or the beginning of the movie takes place like a week after the park closed, which is weird because everything goes to shit within a week to a month's time. Like literally it opens up and the whole park is destroyed. Like to the point where it looks like fires broke out and all that. I mean, does it really take a month for that to happen? But it, it this one does open up with like a dinosaur attack versus like how Jurassic World wasn't. You know, it was the only one who didn't start like that. And the whole plot for this one is, uh, it is kind of explained in that first like five minutes of the movie. So some, they go back to the island to try to take a part of the Indominus Rex, which was already been killed. And uh, T-Rex attacks them. That's how you know, you know what I mean. It opens up with a dinosaur attack, and the people who are doing it is engine, I guess, doing it, and it's not really explained why they're doing it until later on in the movie. But from there, we go on to three years after that. Naturally, interesting about this movie is the only time that you actually see the Jurassic Park logo as we know it. Every other movie just has the title that says Jurassic Park or Jurassic World, Lost World, Jurassic Park Three, stuff like that. This movie actually has that Jurassic Park logo with the T-Rex skeleton in it. That's the first time it's been on screen. Let's see how it goes for Jurassic World Dominion, uh, being that it comes out. It's already been out to, uh, the day of the release of this episode. You know, it's a, the movie has been out already. Uh, uh, like I said, three years later is when, when you have the events that take place of the movie. So... First movie takes place 2015, and so is the opening of the of Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom, and then it takes place in 2018, the actual movie Fallen Kingdom, and it opens up with uh, like Ian Malcolm trying to explain like, hey, don't it, just let let the goddamn dinosaurs die out. Don't stop <laughs> stop trying to make them alive again. Stop trying to bring them to the main island. Stop trying to study them. Just let them die. And uh, against that, you have Claire Deering's character of trying to get them to live because she started a thing called a dinosaur protection group, and that's where the two assistants come in. What I mean, uh, Justice Smith, who was in De- De- Detective Pikachu, which you know, a great movie, <laughs> and uh, then Daniela Pineda, Pineda Pineda's character. Jesus, she didn't have a little tilde over the end of her name, so it's not Pineda; it's Pineda. So. Um, that's when those two characters come in. Uh, I guess they're just assistants to her because uh, they just sort of work at that, that like dinosaur protect. It's like an EPA's type thing. They're trying to get like funding to at least preserve the island. And it's interesting from here, it kind of tries to mirror the events of Lost World. Because if you remember from our discussion of the Lost World, uh, Ian Malcolm gets called to the estates of John Hammond to be told, like, hey, we're going to the island and we're, uh, we're going to study the animals, right? And you're, or I sent a team to study them. In this one, Claire Deering does get called to the estates of, uh, what, what did I say, Lockwood is his character? Yeah. Benjamin Lockwood's character uh, was played by James Cromwell. She gets called there, and he tells her, like, hey, you know, 
uh, you know, it was me and Malcolm, or me and Malcolm, me and John Hammond dream to, you know, have a preserve for the, for the animals. We have this plot of land and we plan to take the dinosaurs out because, uh, Isla Nublar itself is built on a volcano, which that is directly taken from the book Jurassic Park. Um, so that's, you know, that's pretty cool. Uh, they actually did something with the book in the later on sequels because at post Lost World, everything sort of just sort of just falls by the wayside in terms of source material because there's no more source material past the Lost World book. Um, you know, from here is where they get you know, you have them going to the island once again. And when I mean once again, like stop going to the damn island. You see what happens when you go to the damn island. People die. <laughs> uh, anyway, they go to the island, and, and you have, again, they're setting up the, uh, trying to take Blue out of the island, because that's how they get Owen to the island. He's like, no, you, you're the only one who can help us find her. You're the only one who can help us, uh, you know, get her out. And I guess that's how you keep roping into, into it. Isn't that right, Mr. Meesey? Because he roped me into this. Well, the, him over there, he roped me into this. <laughs> well, he roped me into uh, this. What about me? He, yeah, he I, I, I like making those little jokes because it's a little, like, edit thing for me. I make those jokes so I can put the sound effects later. If you enjoy the sound effects, cool. If you don't, cool. Don't have to tell me. Uh, <laughs> so once they get on the island, you know, this is, the movie actually at this point is, like, almost like, half hour into it, half hour, 40 minutes at this point. It moves kind of a little quick because this one, this movie specifically doesn't know what it wants to be. It like starts out as this like adventure thing and then turns into a horror movie halfway through. Cause like I said, John A. Boy, or it's not John, J.A. Boyea, Boyena is a horror director. Like I said, El Ofranato, which is a horror movie. Um, could have been interesting if they actually legitimately made a Jurassic Park themed horror movie. Because I think at one point in like the early two thousands, uh, like Halloween Horror Nights, uh, it's like you know Halloween scare event that Universal puts on in the Orlando Park. They actually had like a Jurassic themed area of horror. That would have been cool if this movie, you know decided to do that but it you know it, it doesn't doesn't know what it wanted doesn't know what it wants to be uh really um so anyway once once we get to the uh the island itself this is where they go and try to find the creature the creature has in blue the raptor because i guess they showed like videos early on earlier in the movie of uh chris pratt looking at the you know baby raptors when he was like training them and all that and so i guess that's supposed to give you some sort of sense of sentimentality that he has towards the animals and uh you know and it that it is what it is at that point uh, i don't i didn't really get a sense of that it just i got sense more of like i don't force sentimentality and I'm not yeah i'll just go ahead and say right now this is probably the weakest of the five movies, although 
yeah, no, it kind of is. I, I enjoyed Jurassic Park 3 a little bit more than this one. So, um, you know, there's that. <laughs> Might as well tell you that now. Uh, but once you get on there, the once they find the raptor, that's when you find out that they're being double-crossed because literally all they wanted to do was take the dinosaurs off the island. That's really what they want to do, but it uh, they're doing that for an auction because they're selling off the, the dinosaurs to the highest bidder, which sounds like a horrible idea. I don't know who, who greenlit that, but that sounds like a horrible idea. In-universe in sounds like a bad idea. Dr. Grant said that's a bad <laughs> idea. What? He says it's a bad idea. What's a bad idea? <laughs> Again, I do that to set up different sound bites. Um, but they find the creature and they shoot. They shoot the raptor, which I, you know, it causes some issues because if the raptor dies, then you can't do it because they explain that it's the, you know, it's the smartest animal on the planet at the time, which you know can be. But are we sure it's not? A cat? Say hi. Oh, now you don't want to talk. The one time I actually able to wrangle one of these animals and she doesn't want to talk. Anyway, <laughs> uh, at this point is where the island starts to fall apart due to the volcanic activity there. So you have Owen on one side of the island being uh, double-crossed by the... It, it, it's some old, like, military dude that they got to do this. Honestly, it's throwaway character number one, really. A lot of these characters are, are, are get brought in just to get killed. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, some of these characters didn't do it for me because, like, eh. They, they were just there to be there to, to fill in a space in the movie. So, you know, he's over here, he's getting uh, double-crossed by them, but she gets shot by a tranquilizer that is supposed to be used for animals, and he survives with no no neurological damage. I, I looked it up, and apparently the, the tranquilizer that they use on these animals is used for elephants, and it's lethal to humans in micro-dosing. So, like, I don't understand this thing, you know? <laughs> Anyway, he gets tranquilized by them, and they leave them taking the raptor who'd been shot, right? So they shoot the raptor, and the raptor's, like, bleeding up. And then you have Claire and the Justice Smith's character uh, escaping the lava flow, and they get attacked by Baryonyx, which this movie specifically has had the most dinosaurs on screen of, of any of the Jurassic movies. That's kind of to the detriment of the overall movie because, like, why? Why do you need to show so many dinosaurs? I mean, that's not the point of... That wasn't the point of Jurassic Park. The point of Jurassic Park is to show how, what a bad idea it is to have so many. Um, but this next sequence is really the... I feel like they planned this part out before the whole movie. And I, I know this one. I sound a little bit more jaded than the other ones. And I'm just going to say... it. It's a, it's a cool sequence of um, when the volcano is erupting and and they're running away from the volcano through all the dinosaurs and all that. And that's when, 
you set up the shot from the trailer and from the uh, this poster where the T-Rex has, is like, you know, uh, had killed another another dinosaur in the middle of this mayhem. I don't know why I would do that. Uh, but it, it does that as they're all escaping. And, and, and there's really not much to say else about that sequence other than it looks cool. Because they're running, they somehow managed to, A, run away from all the dinosaurs and not get trampled by any of them. And a lot of them are running faster than they can. And B, running away from a volcanic, volcanic, volcanic explosion. I guess so. I mean, at this point, you just accept the movie for for what it is, <laughs> not what it could have been. Because it, it's it was already made. Um but you know they they weren't lying about taking the dinosaurs out uh all, they actually were taking them out and it looks like they essentially just borrowed the designs of all the uh cages from Lost World and this is what i mean where it's kind of mirroring a little bit of the Lost World cuz in the Lost World the two teens one was to study which is in this in this movie Fallen Kingdom that's the Owen and and uh, Claire team and then there's the other team that was just there to take the animals out uh, and that's the the guy with the throwaway character throwaway character number one uh, he, he takes them out of the island uh, this movie does have more animatronics than Lost, uh, than uh, Jurassic World because uh, I guess you can't really have a CGI T-Rex if you're going to straddle the T-Rex because you know, they try to save the raptor who's bleeding out by taking blood from the from the T-Rex because that's the only way you can get it done right. I don't know how they figured out that the blood types are the same. So, I guess. <laughs> a lot of this movie is, I guess. I guess that's all right. I guess that, that'll pass. Anyway. Not to, not I again not not to be so pessimistic about the whole movie in general, but uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of it just comes down to like I guess this is what we're doing. <laughs> uh, but you know, you get to that that point there, they leave that island, Isla Nublar, which the last scene of it is the last thing you see is one of the brachiosaur in the cloud of volcanic dusk. And I see that's, that's, that's more of the sentimental part, I think, versus the stuff that they're trying to show with the Raptors, because that's literally like, uh, this is, this, <laughs> this is essentially showing this is the end of Jurassic Park this is of the Island. Isla Nublar. This is it. This is no more. We're not going back to the Island, uh, unless they start doing stuff with site B, which would be interesting, which is, you know, which is funny. Like, like I said before in, in the Lost World, in the Jurassic World episode, they completely ignore uh, the events of Lost World and of Jurassic Park 3. There is no mention of a Site B or what happened to the, to the creatures or the animals on Site B. The, honestly, if, if they decided to, to exactly mirror Lost World in this one and just go to site B and see what's up there. That would have been interesting. Like what's going on in that Island? 
are we to assume that the, all the animals died or something? Uh, I mean, like I said, interesting things, interesting things could have been interesting, but they weren't, uh, they weren't made. <laughs> anyway, uh, this, it's, this one's a little bit forgettable at parts. Cause like, I guess there's issues with Lockwood and, uh, because he has like a, a granddaughter who turns out to be a clone of his daughter. And that was the reason he and Hammond like split in terms of what they wanted to do, which explains why he's never mentioned in the Jurassic Park's portion of this franchise. So the first three movies, you, he's never mentioned. And now in these last three movies, he's or at least at least in this one he's mentioned. I don't remember him being mentioned in um, Jurassic World, but all of a sudden he's in this one. I don't. I think they just needed a John Hammond type to fill in the the void. But like again, this movie is uh, survives in the supposition of why and okay. Uh, so there's that. Because, uh, you know, like I said, it's later on when they explain that they're what they're trying to do with the dinosaurs is to sell them off. Because once they get to the mainland, they happen to be still on the enclosures that they have with the animals. And they, uh, they as in Claire, Claire and Owen's character, they get put into the cages alongside the animals. And around this time is when you're first introduced into what is called the Indoraptor, which is a mix of the Indominus Rex and more of a raptor, so it's a smaller scale of it, and I guess it's, like, trained to, like, do commands with, like, a gun that, like, shoots out, like, ultrasonic uh, bursts that gets it to do things. Again, a lot of this movie survives on the supposition of why and okay. <laughs> and I'm not trying to be like very dickish about it, but yeah, it's just what it is. Um, so at this like this movie at this point of me saying all this is, I think an hour and a half into it, because uh, you know the Lockwood character dies because he's old, and like the same thing with like what happened in the first movie when when Masrani dies they're like okay since he's dead we can do whatever the fuck we want now and again suppositions of why and okay uh take place into this movie a lot um then at this point is where they show the auction I and mean, honestly like this this movie is really not that interesting anymore uh at this point cuz we're just getting to the point where uh, you have something bad happening with the Indoraptor because obviously if you didn't learn from the first movie that the Indominus Rex was a bad idea to create, why would you suppose that it was a good idea to create another version of it that is going to be even more deadly and more lethal? Uh, and I, I guess this is their way of upping the stakes into it. Like, again, did you need to up the stakes that much? Uh, eh. <laughs> uh, but um, this is where the part where the movie turns into a little bit more of a horror movie uh, because like, when the Indoraptor is released because uh, during the whole uh, auction thing 
when you have the portions with Owen and all that, they get held by a, a stigomyleth, which is one of the... It's it looks like a pachycephalosaur, but it has the like um horns on its crest. And this is where it gets a little silly because the goddamn thing winks at, at Owen. Like they already have like a fucking relationship. Like this it's silly. And un- unless this movie was being more silly throughout, which it wasn't being silly throughout, it was just being silly then. And uh it just makes little to no sense to me, really. <laughs> uh, but you know, they they that that dinosaur helps them escape the thing, uh, the the cages, and that's when Claire and Owen see the little girl, and they find out that she's a clone because when they're trying to um, escape from there, that's when the stegomyleth goes and uh, like interrupts the auction and causes mayhem when they're trying to auction off the Indoraptor, which like at that point, uh, or this is when you know shit's starting to hit the fan. And like, honestly, they should have released the thing a lot earlier in the movie and then made it a horror movie at that point. Because if you have your horror monster at the end of the movie, instead of having it be a threat throughout the whole movie, it's not really a, like a thing. Like in Alien, the, the thing, the... Thing, the xenomorph is ever present, like at least for half the movie, uh, and in like uh, you know, Freddy Krueger, Nightmare on Elm Street, immediately you're you're introduced to Freddy Krueger, and same thing with Halloween, you you immediately introduced to Michael Myers, and he then it's an ever present threat in the whole movie. The threat of this movie doesn't come up until like the last forty five minutes, half hour of the movie. So I mean, again. It is what it is at that point. Um, and this is where it turns into that horror movie, like I was saying, because you have the stuff with the Indoraptor, and then you have the stuff with the with Owen, and I guess the assistants also are help, trying to help Blue escape, and they do. And like when I was mentioning earlier, my brain's starting to hurt a little bit. And like I was mentioning earlier, this movie does no idea what it wants to be. It's like four or five different movies going on at the same time. And if they chose one like narrative to follow that would have saved the whole movie, but it doesn't. They have no no narrative that they're trying to follow into it. So, I mean, I guess at that point, it it just turns into a movie or just things happen and they're just trying to see what stakes and some things do and some things don't because you you know they just they're trying to escape the the indoraptor after it like escapes and it kills the throwaway character number one and then you have throwaway character number two of the guy who runs the auction and you know, it's kind of forgettable the end of it because it's just getting to the point where they have like a gas leak in the area that they're keeping the rest of the dinosaurs. And they're like, oh, you know, we had to do something to save them. Um, and they release them all, but they don't open the doors because Owen's like, don't, don't open it. Do you already see what happens? Just let them all die. Uh, but then the little girl who's the clone is like, you know, you know, they're alive like me. And 
I guess. <laughs> uh, and that sets up the events of Jurassic World Dominion because at that point, this is where the animals are already escaped onto the mainland. They're already in, like, uh, there's a line from, you know, I'll just play the line from Jurassic Park. I don't want to jump to any conclusions, but look. Dinosaurs and man, two species separated by 65 million years of evolution have just been suddenly thrown back into the mix together. How can we possibly have the slightest idea of what to expect? So that's like this, that's what we're working with for Dominion. And the dinosaurs and man are now having to live together. And I think that's what Malcolm says in his like congressional hearing at the end of it. Uh, so, I mean, at that point, this is where it leads us into Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> This movie, I guess, was just the bridge to get us to that point. And, you know, as all as, as all bridges are meant to be, it's meant to not collapse, and at least it doesn't collapse in on itself. You can, co- you you know, you, you with if you take this as a, the bridge metaphor I was talking about, so you have one side being Jurassic World and the other side being Jurassic World Dominion and the bridge being Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, at least the bridge didn't fall down. Because you can stand on one side and fall on the other, but as long as you make it across to the other side, you're fine. Um, I mostly say that because, uh, like I said before, the tomato score for uh, Jurassic World Dominion doesn't really look all that great. And, you know, let me check again really quick before we uh, officially say anything. Ooh, it's at a 33%. So, yeah. Not that I take take that into consideration a lot, but, oh, well, I do can take into consideration the audience score. It's at a 33, uh, review, or 33% for reviewers and a 79% for audience. So, I mean, there you go. Uh, so there you go. That has been Jurassic World Dominion. Um, Dominion. Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and do my socials here before we do my little sign-off. Do I, well, first, do I recommend it? I mean, if you're going to go watch Jurassic World Dominion, yeah. You're going to have to watch this one to understand what's going to happen in the next one. That's how sequels work nowadays. Thank you, Marvel. Uh, but let's do my socials. I am Video Store Wasteland on Instagram and TikTok, VSWL Pod on Twitter. Go ahead and email me at VideoStoreWasteland at gmail.com if you have any suggestions, concerns, comments about the show or for what other things I should do. Uh, I am your host, Brian. I love you guys, and I thank you once again for joining me here in the Wasteland.